Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're having a very refreshing look at uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians through the truth, your new translation of the New Testament, Colin. And uh, we're creeping into chapter five now, but yesterday's program was all about right living, Paul encouraging people to recognize wrong attitudes and be rid of them. I suppose his heart was really to build up the church. He told us to be imitators of God. He's always contrasting the kingdom of God with the ways of the world. Yes, and, uh, you know, (laughs) Uh, I think in this translation, what Paul is saying comes over with such clarity, it almost does the work of the preacher for him, really. (laughs) You don't need anybody to interpret it. It's very easy to understand. You just need to do it. It's a heartfelt letter, isn't it? Absolutely. And he says, if we continue in in the same vein, he says in in verse 8 of chapter 5, you lived in darkness in your old life, but now you are the children of light living in the one who is the light. So live as children who walk in the light of God's truth. What is the evidence of such a walk? That you express God's goodness, righteousness, and truth. That you know what to do to please him. It's very obvious when you think about it that as Christians, we live to please the Lord. We live to do what is right in his eyes. We live, therefore, to express the truth of his word in our lives, that it would be foolish for us to say that we love God and that we worship him and are thankful to him and then choose to walk in ways that grieve the Lord. That makes no sense whatsoever. So he says in verse 11, you cannot compromise. Have absolutely nothing to do with the things God regards as darkness. These things are sinful and produce nothing good in your lives. You should expose sin, not walk in it. It would be shameful for you even to talk about the things disobedient people do, often in secret. The time will come when everything will be exposed by the light even the things people have tried to hide. By its very nature, light exposes things, and there should be nothing in your lives that you would be ashamed of when everything is exposed. Such a time will come, which is why we are told, it is time to wake up if you are asleep spiritually. Rise up from a life of dead works, and Christ will shine on you with his light. This causes you to realize that you will have to be very careful about the way you live, to be wise, not foolish. Make use of every opportunity to please God by the way you live, especially as there is so much evil in the world around you. How much better to understand what God wants of you than to live in a sinful, foolish manner. For example, if you think there is nothing wrong in getting drunk, you have an ungodly mindset and a depraved lifestyle. How much better to be filled with God's Spirit. 
He will inspire you to rejoice together using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing because there is a song of praise for God in your hearts. That is infinitely better than drunkenness or bawdy reveling. In fact, if you rejoice in the Lord, you will always be thanking your Heavenly Father for the way He orders your life because you are so grateful that you live in Christ Jesus your Lord. Well, I just kept reading because it's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Uh, and um, this is what I want people to do because I believe this is what Paul did when he wrote this letter. You know, he never wrote this letter in verses and chapters. And when you receive a letter, you sit down and you read the whole thing. You don't say, well, I'm going to read, I'm going to read a few sentences every day. You want, to, you want to know everything that the correspondent is wanting to tell you. And this is what Paul intended when he wrote Ephesians. He wanted the church to hear the whole thing. Um, uh, of course, not every member of the church in Ephesus would have had their own version. It would have been read out in church. It would have been read out when everybody would gathered together. And the whole letter would have been read. Oh, we've just had this letter from our Apostle Paul. Let's listen to what he says. Subsequently, of course, they would, I'm sure, have analyzed what he was saying and, and responded. And I'm sure the leadership would have done what we're doing in these um, programs and have, you know, explained and, and um, uh, really show people how to apply it into their lives. But... A letter is a letter, and you want to read the whole letter and get the whole picture. You really get the spirit behind it as well, don't you? Because, as you say, he's a, such an encourager. He wants everybody to know God and Jesus in the way that he does. But then he sort of packs a punch at the same time. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, there's there's no compromise. Like he said back in, in uh, verse 8, you cannot compromise. Yes. Uh, have absolutely nothing to do with the things God regards as darkness. And this is, this is the temptation of the world and of the flesh and of the devil. These are our three opponents, really. But, you know, Jesus taught us that nothing outside a man defiles a man, but only that which comes from within, from his own heart. So it really is a question of where we set our hearts. If our hearts are set on pleasing God, then we will say no to the temptations of the world, the flesh and the devil. And we'll readily acknowledge where we've gone wrong. We'll be quick to ask Very quick to repent because we will lose our peace with God. One of the things that amazes me about Jesus is that it says in the letter to Hebrews that he was tempted in every way just as we are. And yet he never sinned. Now, why was that? Because he didn't want to. And you see, the kinds of things that tempt us is the kind of things that appeals to us. I'm sure that all of us who know the Lord, we can think back, if we chose to, to things that appealed to us before we were Christians that no longer appeal to us. We say, no, that's the past. I have nothing more to do with that. That's absolutely out. But there are still things that do appeal to us. Um, you know, it may be that somebody likes to gossip, or it may be that somebody is still judgmental, or it may be that... You know, people like one of those jokes with dubious innuendos and think it's, you know, very, 
manly or whatever, um, to be in with your worldly friends and, and involved in things like that. And Paul is really saying, look, that's completely incompatible with your life as a Christian. You don't try to be like the world to win the world. The only way the world will be impacted by the gospel is for us to show that we have an alternative to worldliness. We have an alternative lifestyle that is so much better than anything the world can offer us. So it's, it's a complete deception to think that if we court the world, we will be able to win the world. The world laughs at that. The world laughs at that. The world laughs at the worldliness of the church. It really does. And you know, you, you, you sometimes hear people in the world, and even in the press, saying, why don't Christian leaders stand up and speak out for what they really believe? Why are they always trying to compromise what has always been the faith of Christians in order to try to accommodate what is fashionable in the world. And to the world, that gives the impression that we don't really believe what we say we believe. And one of, one of the things I think that one can say for the Roman Catholic Church is that their leadership remains consistent in holding to the values that they have as Christians. Uh, that's not to say that I or others would necessarily agree with Catholic doctrine, but they do stand up for what they believe and will not compromise. And, and I believe that we and those of us who would call ourselves evangelicals need to stand up by what we believe to be the revelation of truth that God has revealed in his word and never compromise on that. I suppose we can only speculate at what was going on in the church in Ephesus when Paul wrote this letter. But what do you think was his underlying concern? Why was he so intent on writing this letter? And what would he say to the church today? Would it be any different? Oh, well, you have to, you have to um, understand that actually the situation into which Paul was writing was very similar to the situation we have today. I mean, as I was reading just now, you would think that Paul had written this letter for today not for a society of 2,000 years ago, because it was a very cosmopolitan society in Ephesians. It was a, a, a main center. Uh, lots of travelers would have passed through Ephesus. But also, of course, uh, it was a, a city of many religions, and a lot of those religions were what we would call very profane, very ungodly, uh, temple prostitution uh, was the order of the day in some of the cults. Things that appealed to the flesh were done in the name of religion and of serving the gods. And so a lot of the people that have become Christians had come out of that. And the same is true of a city like Corinth, you see. Um, and um, so it's into that very ungodly sort of society, very similar to today's, that Paul is saying these things and saying you cannot compromise, you cannot go back to the worldly standards out of which you have been saved. You've got to get rid of all that thinking, of all, that, of all those kind of attitudes, and live the godly lives that God has called you to live. So he was contending for their salvation? Absolutely. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 